0: Everything you need to know about awakening, you can learn from Willie Nelson. You don't even have to know Willie Nelson or know about Willie Nelson or know all of his history or all of his songs. Really, you just need one song. It's called Whiskey River, Take My Mind. In fact, you only need one verse from that song to understand what awakening is really about. And it's astounding to me that um, so much truth... Is conveyed through lines of poetry, lines of songs. If you really just sort through what they're actually pointing to, um, I'm joking a little bit about this, of course. But there's there's a uh, there's a very poignant uh, truth in this, in the lyrics of the song, uh, and I want to sort of unpack it a little bit. So uh, the other night, I happened across something that showed a list of the oldest live performers that are still live performers like touring and so forth. And at the very top, I thought it would be, um, I don't know who I thought, Bob Dylan and people like, uh, um, the Rolling Stones and so forth. And those guys I think are in their 80s now or right around there. Uh, Willie Nelson's 90, he was the top of the list. I was blown away by that. So I I just, just to see what he's up to, I clicked uh, around and found a couple live songs he had done or a couple like a live performance last year, 2023 wouldn't he would have been still 90 years old i think but uh um one of them was whiskey river and i listened to the lines that i've i've known for years but I listened to them more carefully i suppose and thought it was really interesting what it, what it says because this connects to something i've noticed about addiction specifically substance addiction uh alcohol chronic like marijuana use other opioids other types of addictions that are uh, potentially very, very destructive, as anyone who's been in that space knows, and even if you haven't had family members and so forth, you know. Um, but it, yeah, extremely destructive and uh, really overtaking. You know, has that feeling of just completely overtaking your life. Um, and the mechanism of it is really interesting to me because I I have had some insights into what that mechanism is, and it's a very simple thing, really. And it relates directly to what, what a human is oriented toward. What does a human want? And it's a very simple thing, really, uh, or a very simple couple of things that we're oriented toward, what we want, that we're seeking, that we are chasing. Um, and the most severe, extreme version of that is addiction, where the, the chasing of it, the uh, the, um, the insistence that, that that this this these conditions are met uh, gets so acute that it's just it's just hit after hit or drink after drink. It just has to be now, now, now. Um, and so, yeah, my heart really goes out to anyone who who has addiction or has had addiction um, because it can be so destructive but also be terrifying. It's terrifying to feel that take you over and know the destruction that's happening and not be able to stop, right? Um, but the mechanism under it's very fascinating, and I wonder if over time in, more and more insight into this mechanism will help in these situations. Um, but it also relates to the addiction, to the fundamental addiction to self, to the self-structure, to the illusion of self, the illusion of separate self, which uh, Paul Hederman, who is great, uh, also a non-duality sort of speaker and so forth, um, you can find him on YouTube. He uh, he point- He's pointed this out multiple times that the ultimate addiction is the addiction to self. It's true. Um, so what is the, the lyrics of this song, right? It starts out and it says, Whiskey River, take my mind. Like, it doesn't get any clearer than that. This He's asking whiskey, the, the, the experience of being drunk, essentially, to take his mind. Like, is the mind such an accursed place that we will use something as destructive as that or as extreme as that to just take it from us now? Yes, it is. Many people do this with alcohol in a more quote-unquote functional way. Um, people who drink chronically, um, but maybe it's not become super destructive in their life, but maybe not the healthiest thing to be doing. But they, they're using it for that. They might say it, it's to relax them, or it's a, some people might say it's a social crutch or something. But ultimately, what are we trying to do? We're trying to quiet the mind. We're trying to soften that inner struggle, the struggle with thoughts. We think it's the struggle with the world, or we think it's a struggle with ourself, our self-doubt, our our shame, our, our anger toward ourselves, and our, our uh, grief maybe or avoidance of grief and guilt. These are the things that come into play, right? When we have a lot of internal struggle. But the, the internal struggle, it's not actually in the body. It's not in the physical sense. It's not, in the, it's not in any of the five senses. It's in the mind. It's with thought. We struggle with thought. The only thing we can struggle with is thought. That's it. But we mistake thought for the world for actuality for reality we mistake thought for reality and then we go to war with it or we feel completely beaten up by it and then of course we find a substance at some point that that just calms that mind enough so the struggle is just calm less less there less uh, intense and terrifying less terrifying right and again depending on maybe genetic factors or your own personal history for some people it's extremely addictive right to find something that can just turn that off to a degree for a period of time <clears throat> i really think this is what's behind addiction this is the first half of it um and it's in the one line of the song whiskey river take my mind right the next line is um whiskey river take my mind don't let her memory torture me so another clue of course into thoughts torturing you into the the internal struggle um Which doesn't feel like an internal struggle. It feels like an external and internal struggle. It feels like struggle with everything, right? With ourselves and with control, right? There's so much control threaded into this, but it's all about thought. It's all about thought. It's all about belief, belief in self and other belief in time, the past, my past, my future, the next thing I'm going to do, what I'm guilty of, what I'm, what I'm shameful for. We have to reference the past for that, which is only referencing thought. So it's, it's a tragic joke. It's a tragic joke, but it's a joke in the end that there's nothing behind it. That's not actually happening. None of that's happening. But to the degree we believe in it, it becomes a, it becomes a vicious sort of demon in our minds, in our hearts, our, in our feeling of being me. And then with identification, then we become the addiction in a sense, right? Um, I think Paul Hederman also has said many times, it's, it's not that I have a, a, a problem I am the problem, right? We've identified with those thoughts so much that we f- are the destructive force in our own life, right? And this this is why a lot of types of modalities, like a twelve step program, starts with acknowledging that you've lost control and right? that you can't do this yourself. Um, need something beyond you. Uh, yeah. So all of that, ultimately, though, really is thought. The the the. The behaviors, the body-mind may have the the addiction, um, but the thoughts amplify it. The thoughts amplify it so much. The identification with those thoughts amplifies the the fear, and then the fear feeds into the wanting of the next drink or hit or whatever it is to, again, get me out of my mind. Take my mind. Take my mind. And then, of course, don't let her memory torture me. We know immediately this is about a a breakup or a... a um, heartbreak or something, right? Again, a very poignant thing in many of our lives that lead to um, thoughts we really don't want to have around, right? You may find areas of your life you're very functional in or very, um, you feel like you have it together, you don't get feel reactive, you don't feel triggered or, or whatever. And then when there's a, uh, a romantic, say, possibility or a breakup or a Rift or anything like all of a sudden,' there's so much intensity, so much emotion, so much reactivity it just comes out of nowhere or it seems to uh but even that, it really ultimately comes down to thought, and the belief in subject object, self, and other uh is very strongly emphasized in these these experiences, right, and so that's what Willie's talking about. don't let her memory torture me <laughs> um, he wants those thoughts just to just be turned off uh. And you might, say, you might say he wants the associated feelings to be turned off, right? We might say when we're feeling really angry towards uh, someone that we're close to or we're feeling like you know, there's a breakup and we feel heartbreak in regards to them and uh, the mind is making the picture of them. It's, it's labeling the whole experience with them. But it's the feeling that we think we don't want. We think we don't want that feeling. It's the feeling. But that's the, that's the fundamental misperception about mind and body. It's the thoughts we don't want, not the feeling. The feeling is innocuous not a problem in fact in fact i might even say that the other half of this the other half of the addiction equation i think is that when it calms the mind it often it often puts attention in the body so we feel like a buzz or a numbness or something but it's a sensation it's a it's a um, it's a feeling in the body we our attention now is a little bit more in the body right that's what these that's what these experiences are is they are a uh, a sort of reversal of this fundamental uh, and very powerful hypnotic spell of mind identification and apparent mind-body split, where attention is shooting up into the head, staying in the head, struggling in the head in the mind in the, the world of time and space and self and other and problems and solutions and avoiding the sensation of just being in the physical body. Once we start to touch into the experience of being in the physical body sober without uh, uh, means that come with a hell of a lot of side effects and major detriments, then we start to actually feel like what equanimity really is. And we notice that equanimity is actually available without any substance, for sure. A far better form of it. Um, there's equanimity available, and our contact with our physical, what we're calling physical, energetic body, um, that's where it really starts to stabilize. So this is a big fast forward in the realization process, but the first thing we learn is not to, man, this is it's so interesting how these things come together the Willie Nelson song, a list of insights someone just messaged me that I've known for a long time and his insights were so clear one after the other and the way they stacked together was so beautiful and I was responding to that recently. Um, but the, the insights about thought, mind, consciousness, et cetera, kind of go in this order. The first insight is that I'm reacting to thoughts, that what I think is a world and a set of problems and a me and my story and my everything, all the narratives, is nothing but thought. It's a really important insight. Second insight is that, I don't, that, that I'm actually, re, what I'm reacting to is thoughts. And I don't have to react to thoughts. I don't have to push thoughts away or pull thoughts or manage thoughts or, to really see you don't have to do that is a sort of practice-based um, or often arises in our practice where we learn to actually sit and meditate and experience unbound consciousness. I, I point to this a lot in my guided meditations, my consciousness playlist. It's a skill that you can develop and it's, it's an important insight that you don't have to react to thoughts ultimately. And it becomes rather neutral. It becomes a very fluid reasonably neutral space. And it can become a tremendously expansive space and all inclusive space of consciousness. Some people would call it an I am sense. It feels like that to them. Not everybody does. You don't need to. Uh, but it, that's, that's an experience that, that does come online when the other insights have dawned that, that number one, I'm not struggling with a, with a world in the way I think I am or people or myself or my emotions or thoughts. I'm struggling with thoughts about all of those, even thoughts about thoughts. So what I'm struggling with is the, the thought that feels ultimately so close that it feels like me, right? The difference between the I am sense and the I thought is worlds of difference. That's the real fundamental insight you get with awakening essentially, right? So now we have this neutrality with thought and we realize we don't have to react but it's often very practice-based at this point because it can fall apart quickly when we're in the world of uh, the relative and the reactivity can still be there. So then there's a couple ways this can go after that. But the insight, the next insight is very important. One is you can directly address reactivity, like say through fetter work, for instance. Um, and the other is through various means. Uh, the, the next insight dawns, and that insight is not only is it inherently uncomfortable to be reactive to thought, to identify with and believe thought, um, it's actually inherently uncomfortable to have any identification with consciousness at all. This is deeper stage realization. But when that breaks, when that identity falls, it's a whole different world. And your attention is almost instantly or very easily relegated to the sense fields, the five sense fields. And there's such freedom there. There's such Freedom, um, emptiness, fullness, um, nowhere to go, nowhere to, nothing to fix anymore, nothing to heal, um, and all of those things can still happen. In the relative world, things can change and fix, and you can heal. And you know, there's relative birth and death, but all of that is so ephemeral because when you're in contact with, or the the un the un, I'm gonna say the unborn has been realized, Um, then it's available all the time right here. There's nowhere to go, nothing to fix, nothing to repair, coming and going. These are interrelated relative ideas, birth and death, interrelated relative ideas. And there's such a tremendous steeping in the body sense, what I'm going to call the body sense. There's no static anymore between the body and the mind. Um, and then through the body sense. That, and peri- Paradoxically and ironically, when we really drop into the body sense in this way, that's when we also see through the illusion of a physical body. Again, very ironic, but it's just the way it is. Uh, we see th- it's a formlessness comes with this, and this comes with formlessness, this, uh, this dropping of the body-mind, um, or the body-mind just drops, and it's all, all that's left is this, this non-dualistic presencing. And it can be noticed in a sense field in particular, like one sense field, and it can also be rather synergistic, synesthetic noticed in all sense fields. And then there's just no sense fields. There's no self, no other, no sense fields, no differentiation between senses. Um, But the, the fundamental discomfort of identification, the fundamental discomfort of suffering, struggle is gone. And then you know, what oh man, this is what we've always been after. This what we've, whether whether it's a severe acute addiction or whether it's just a background constant grind of feeling uncomfortable, feeling out of sorts, feeling uh, unsatisfactoriness, suffering, to put it in a Buddhist sense, um, to feel the life of quiet desperation. So there's a there's a big scale on um, not a scale a spectrum on which most of us lie at different times in our life. And sometimes it's an acute, you know, addictive, intense. Can't stand one more second of this experience. And sometimes it's just a slow grind, numb, distance from life, pretty uncomfortable. But somehow I can, I can sort of go on about this, keep hypnotizing myself into into thoughts, right? Somewhere along that spectrum, the world of mind identification. Um, but but underneath all of it, regardless of where you are on that spectrum there's a there's a the the desire or the the knowing that that there's something possible a different kind of um way of moving through reality moving through the world whatever is exactly those you're not in your mind but you didn't need the whiskey river to take your mind (laughs) you've seen through it you've through insight you've seen through it and the second part is um being completely steeped in the physical in the in the sense of of being alive and then what's so beautiful is um in the in the song Whiskey River, you know, Whiskey River, take my mind, don't let her memory torture me. That's the misperception. It's not about her. It's not even about you. It's about the misperception of subject-object of duality of form. And when that's gone, then the next part of the song says, um, "Whiskey River, don't take my mind, don't let her memory torture me. Whiskey River, don't run dry. You're all I've got to take care of me. That's really sad, isn't it? Whiskey is all I have to take care of me. But but he just wants to be taken care of. We all just want to be taken care of or just to know. We, want to, we actually don't necessarily want to be taken care of. We want to know the feeling of being cared for fully and being totally settled and fundamentally okay. And the beauty of this is you don't need whiskey for that. You don't need marijuana. You don't need anything. You don't even need spiritual practices. But through a series of insights, through an orientation to truth, through practice, through diligence, through um, whatever it takes, to break those delusive uh, barriers, it is available to you, of course, and that's all you want—is you want that simplicity of of aliveness that is is non-dualistic. It's here. It has that comfortness, that 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 home everywhere, um, that just fundamental okayness. That's all you wanted. Yeah, he thought he was going to get it from the whiskey. He thought he was going to get it from the the partner. Um, turns out, it's available without without any of that. So there you go, everything you needed to know about awakening and addiction, you can learn from Willie Nelson.